into 8 p.m. Awake, awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you life. Mission for Christ proudly presents to you Old Fashioned Revival Hour on Spirit 88.3 with Brother Jerry. Now and every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. Awake, awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you life. Jackson College of Education and National Accreditation Board at Jiatum Kakupenu. And the University of Education, Uniba, Akayan Tumapa Aboma. You had three years diploma in basic education, Ebrawo. Now, any just some say, we are your distance learning. Kahuna said, general programs in Naya BL. Naya Kwako for early childhood education, Abba. You had a month for the donor, a front to Timo Amomo and Hussein Yasitra and Mofra Adia. I had the French education, so Abba. Well, person who's your friend. Credit passes three core subjects mo. Ah, English language, any mathematics, any two elective subjects. Yeah, when you have 25 years, I deco. No person will throw no woman's yason. The hands of our four forms, no better entrance examination. So all performs in the Biata for any extra Yamia who do this. ADB, Ghana Commercial Bank, Echo Bank, HFC Bank, Snap Yaba Savings and Loans, and offers on the Jackson College of Education, Learning Centers, Awoodwa, Awoodwa.
It's a wonderful evening, and I am glad to be with you today by the grace of the living God, who has made it, of course, um, an opportunity again for me to come to you with his word. Um, I know that you are blessed to have tuned in to Spirit 88.3. This is the program dubbed Old Fashioned Revival Hour, and my name is Brother Jerry. Um, I would want to take this opportunity to express my sincere gratitude to my listeners, those of you who are praying, those of you who send messages of encouragement, those of you who are supporting and giving your all for the, this program to be on earth. I know that whatsoever you are doing, God sees, and in due time, he would reward you. So to Professor Mrs. Jackson, to Dorothy, to all those of you who are helping bring this program to the wonderful listeners out there, I say may the Lord richly bless you. I would take this opportunity also to um, inform you that the forms are still out. Jackson College of Education, the admission forms are still out. Um, it would end possibly today, tomorrow. And so I would say that, well, you have the grace period, possibly the week in which we are. And so I would advise that you would rise up and then run to the office to get your forms. As I always say, it is a distance <coughs> program in education, um, basically diploma. And so um, if you have that interest in that field or you know anyone with such interest, you can tell the person to go and get the forms. Don't um, limit yourself to your grades at the moment. Don't be despondent, don't be as in hopeless. Um, whatever the situation is, I would advise that you call the office to find out the requirement and um, if by any means you can be enrolled. So it, I would advise that you call the office first before you make any conclusion, which would in the long run have an adverse effect. And so um, you can call the line 0554, 05, sorry, 0544261913, 0544261913, 0544261913. And the office will be available to attend to you, possibly tomorrow, God willing. Um, right, we are set for the word of the Lord and... Um, I would want us to bow down our heads as we begin the program tonight. I would also take the opportunity to um, implore that you call a friend, you call a family to tune in right now to Spirit 88.3 to listen to this very important um, topic tonight, which is life transforming, life imparting. Call your friends and loved ones at the very moment as we begin the program. 
Now we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for yet the day as this which you have made. We bless your holy name for the revelation of your Son, Jesus Christ, by whom we have all grace and all power at work in us. We thank you, O God, that you have made today a day in which you have purpose to save and to open the eyes of the understanding of your people, to bring your people to the knowledge of the truth, and by which, Lord, they will be liberated. Thank you, Lord. Sanctify us by your word. Bless us by your word. Edify us by your truth, for your word is truth. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Ah, my yesterday is another day, as I said, and I know that you are set, you are already prepared for the message already tonight. Um, last week, if you were with me, we began to speak about the territory of the of the devil, Satan's territory, particularly last two weeks, and um, last week we dealt with. Um, vanities, which is the word, and the last of the word, which is the last of the eyes, the last of the flesh, and the pride of life. Today we are moving on to what I said I would want to treat before I proceed to talk about um, the, the last of the series which we are treating, which will be um, the remedy that sets us free from every kind of bondage, every kind of um, captivity. And so today, as I said last week, our topic is mainly on the law of works versus grace. The law of works versus grace. That is what we would treat today, which would also open up for us to enter into the next phase which is the remedy. Um, before I start, I would want us to use this, these two scriptures as our premise to what I want to talk about tonight. And so I want you to keep these two scriptures in mind, which would um, serve as a premise, as I said, in understanding what I want to speak about tonight. Now, first of all, let us go to <clears throat> First Timothy chapter four. First Timothy chapter four, verse one, and through to to three. First Timothy four, chapter chapter four, verse one to three. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Now, when you look critically at this particular scripture, um, you understand, of course, what 
the apostle by the Holy Spirit wants to communicate to us. Now he is speaking of two main things here, um, which causes believers to depart from the faith. And the first he speaks of deceiving spirits, and the secondly he speaks of doctrines of devils or doctrines of demons. Now he says that under these two, you would notice these features or these characteristics under these two deceptions. And he speaks of lying in hypocrisy because their conscience are seared. Now he's speaking of those who promote these doctrines of demons and then these who are possessed or who are, are influenced by deceiving spirits. And so he, he begins to show the characteristics of these men or these, in this particular scripture, Paul was speaking of certain men who have crept into the church who are preaching something other than the true gospel. So when he comes to verse 3, he says that these men forbid people to marry. In other words, they say that if you marry, you have committed an abomination. Then he says that these men commit people to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. And secondly, these men also tell people that if you eat meat, certain kind of meat, it is abominable in the sight of God. And so in simple phrase, what Paul wants to say is that these are men who promote some sort of um, works as a means to righteousness. In other words, if you want to attain to righteousness, you must forbid to marry. You must not marry, you must not eat certain meats. And so this is... As I said, the premise, it would be the premise to what I want to build on. Now let's go to Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. And it says that, Therefore let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. Paul is the same person speaking here, and he says that, let no one, speaking to believers, speaking to the church, and he tells them that let no one judge you as pertains to the food you are eating, as pertains to the drink that you take, as pertains to a holy day or Sabbath. In other words, if you choose to fast on, say, Tuesday, or if you choose to fast on any other day, it must be according to your faith. You see, someone must not, as in, condemn you on the basis of the day in which you choose to fast. To say that, well, I am fasting on Wednesday. And so if you choose to fast on, say, Thursday, you have sinned against God. It must be according to your faith. Likewise, if you choose to eat, for instance, pork or any other meat, it must be according to your faith. If someone else chooses not to eat pork, that is his problem. You see, the person should not condemn you 
the person should not denigrate you, defame you, or condemn, as in make you feel guilty, as if you have committed an abomination, or as if you have fallen short of the standard of God because you are eating pork and he chooses not to eat pork. That is what Paul is saying here by the Spirit that let no one judge you by the food that you eat or the drink of festivals or new moon or Sabbath. Someone may choose to, as in, meet with fellow brethren on Friday. Someone may choose to worship, as in, coming together to fellowship with God on Saturday. Someone may choose to gather and fellowship with God on, say, Sunday. Let each be according as pertains to the measure of faith. No one should feel condemned because of a particular day in which he chooses or they choose to worship God. If you worship on Friday, it does not make you more righteous than the person who worship on Saturday or say Sunday. It must be according to your faith. How be it? If anyone rise up and begin to condemn others on the basis of certain days that they have consecrated to worship their God, for instance on Friday, for instance on Saturday, or for instance on Sunday, and begin to condemn or begin to say to them that they have fallen short of the standard of God as pertains to righteousness, this is what Paul is saying, that these are people who are enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. People who promote the law and not the grace. People who destroy that which Jesus has built. For the means to attaining to righteousness is not by external works or by the law of Moses. And this is what we are dealing with basically today. The law of works as opposed to grace and the difference between the law and the grace. Now uh, one may ask what at all is the law? The law is any religious external works that is viewed as a means to achieving righteousness. Now notice this. The law is always external and which always is seen or viewed as a means to achieving righteousness. Now grace on the other hand is a free gift which is given from God, from above irrespective of your own effort. It is freely given. You did not earn it. You did not deserve it. It is freely given to you from above. And as I said, irrespective of your own effort. Now, speaking about the difference, the differences between the law and the grace, I would want us to go to Second Corinthians chapter Second Corinthians chapter three. 
Because in that place, um, Paul sets it so straight, it makes it, he makes it so clear to us. The difference between the law and the grace. Now Paul begins to write and he says to the Corinthians, it is very important to read the whole of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You know, in order to really understand or apprehend what I am saying, what I am treating tonight, I would not, as in, um, read through the following verses that I want to um, address, but I would take them in part. So I, I would advise that after you sit down and then look carefully into this particular chapter, and the Spirit of the Lord will give to you understanding. Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, We do not begin to commend ourselves, or do we need, as some others do, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from us. I am reading from the New King James Version. Verse 2 says that you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all, by all men. You are manifestly an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Now this is what Paul is saying, addressing to the Corinthians. And Paul tells them that we the apostles do not need to commend ourselves. Neither do we have need that the church should commend us. In other words, he's saying that they do not need an introductory letter amongst the church of Corinth. And why is Paul saying this? Now Paul tells them and challenges them that if anybody wants to know who we are, the apostles, what we preach, what we stand for, look at the church of Corinth. Look at the work of grace in their midst. And look at the mighty working of God. And Paul tells them that these, that is the church of Corinth, are our epistles. You know, epistles written in our hearts, known and read by all men. In other words, the new life, the new nature, that the people of Corinth are seeing is such that all people are able to see, all people are able to tell, all people are able to handle. It is not something that is so secretive, but it is something that is imparting even the nation as a whole. And this is a challenge that Paul throws even to the Corinth, the Corinthians. That we do not have need to boast. For our testimony is the church of Corinth. They are our epistle. You know, so if you want to know anything about us. What we stand for. What we preach. Concerning the grace which we preach. Just look at the church of Corinth. And I believe that this is a challenge to us. What we preach. Must be experiential it must be a life transforming gospel and if what we preach cannot lead people 
to that new life, then it is not a gospel at all. So that is what Paul wants to say. That if you look at the church of Corinth, and you compare to what we are preaching and what we stand for, the faith, there is no difference. Then he comes down to verse 4. And he tells them, and verse 3, and he tells them that that transformation that you see, as in the people of Corinth see in the church, it was not by the preaching of the law, which is written by ink and on stones, but rather it was the outworking of the Spirit of God. The outworking of grace within the hearts and not something that was external. For you know and understand that the law is always external, but grace is always internal. Now, so the first difference that you should take note of between the law and grace is that the law is always external. It is on tablets. Now, the first time the law was given to Moses, it was written on tablets of stones. That the people were supposed, were required to obey the law according to their own effort. Which, of course, no man was able to, what, to obey. No one was able to attain to that righteousness which was by the law of Moses. There was no one. Romans Chapter 3 speak of this, that there is none righteous, no, not one. No one has been able to attain to the righteousness of the law that was given to Moses. Not a single person. And so Paul tells them that our, as in the impact which we had on them was never by the preaching of the law, but by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of grace. Hallelujah. And so that is the first thing that you need to understand about the law. If someone comes or confronts a sinner, for instance, and say to the sinner, stop smoking, stop drinking, stop stealing, stop insulting, cursing, any of these things. For if you do not stop, the end of is death. Now, this is in a sense very true because of course the wages of sin is death you see but if that preacher leaves the sinner hanging in despair without leading him to the grace of the means to attaining righteousness it becomes the law because the law always threatens the law always breathes out threatens, breathe out, you know, condemnation. Do this, else you die. That is the voice of the law. Cursed is anyone who does not obey all that is written in the book of the law. And so, you see, if you fall short of that standard, the end thereof is death. You see, so you are looking to the law from the outside. And you say to yourself, yes, this is the law of God. I must do it. But you are never able to attain to its righteousness. You are never able to do it. Why? 
because there is an old uncrucified nature inside of you. And that nature is rebellious to that law. In other words, the more you preach the law, the more that inner man, sorry, that old man, that old nature becomes hardened, the more he becomes rebellious. Because the, the antidote of the um, means to leading people to salvation is never the preaching of the law. It has never been the law, but rather by grace. And so it is very important. Not only people will say that, well, we have been preaching and preaching and preaching, but the more we preach, the more the congregation becomes hardened. That is because most people do not separate the law from the grace. They do not understand the place of the law and the place of the grace, which is very much understood in the various dispensations under the scriptures. The dispensation of the patriarchs, you know, where God dealt with individuals, example, Abraham, Noah, and the like. The dispensation of the law, where God dealt with Israel as a nation by the law of Moses. The dispensation of grace, wherein God deals with the whole world, both Gentiles and Jews alike, by Jesus Christ the Lord. And so if the understanding is not really, you know, if people don't get this, we would always miss the old wine with a new wine. In other words, we would sow, as Jesus said. You know, we cannot sow the old clothes together with the new garment. Lest, he says that what the, the, the third becomes worse. We cannot mix the new wine into an old wine, wine skin, else it would break. And that was what Jesus was referring to. We cannot miss the old covenant, which is the law, with the grace or the preaching of the grace, which is through Jesus Christ. So the first thing that you ought to understand about the law and the grace is that the law is always external and grace is internal. Grace does not condemn, it does not confront people and tell them that because you have done this, you will die. Grace never leave you hanging. But the grace which is from God always would point the sinner to the cross, which is where that old nature is put to death. Then God recreates a new nature in that sinner. The nature that is like Christ. And then God begins to write upon the heart of that new man what we call the law of liberty, which is love. So that is the grace which has come. Grace always works within and it comes out. But the law always approaches from the outside, from without the man. But the second thing that you need to understand about the law and the grace, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 through to 11, 
And the second thing that you need to understand about the law and grace is that the law condemns, but grace produces righteousness. Grace leads to righteousness, which is eternal life. But the law always condemns. Uh, looking at Second Corinthians chapter three, verse seven to eleven, it says that. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was grievous, so that the people of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory. The ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in, in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Now, the second aspect about the law, the apostle calls it the ministry of condemnation. And Paul says that the law always minister condemnation but the grace which is through the holy spirit always minister righteousness now this is what paul is trying to say now you do understand that under the old covenant there are many instances where the people of israel broke the law of god and suddenly the earth would part open and thousands will lose their soul. From the journey from um, Egypt to the promised land, we record how many people died on the way and they were not able to enter into the promised land by reason of their disobedience to the law. There are many instances which are recorded in the word of God under the old covenant where people were condemned to death because they failed to obey the law. Now that is the law. It always ministers condemnation. And that is the nature of the law today. If any preacher preaches anything that condemns, that makes people feel guilty, you know, rather than giving people hope, it is not of the Spirit of God. It is never the aim of the gospel of Jesus Christ to condemn people. Rather, what the gospel seeks to do is to reveal to the man that nature which is sinful. It addresses that the heart of men. And it tells men that that heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And for that reason, no man can please God. That if there is, if there is the desire to please God, if there is a way which when the man takes it will lead him to the Father, then it is the way of crucifixion, which is of course through the atoning work of Jesus Christ. So the law never offers people that hope of salvation. But grace which has come 
always point people to the hope, to the way of salvation, which is Christ Jesus, of his atone, atoning work, of his redemptive work, his finished work on the cross of Calvary. And so Paul tells them that that law which was written on stone ministered condemnation, but grace ministers righteousness. It is the ministry of righteousness. And uh, we would understand this when we go to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 2. Let me proceed to verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Notice, the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Now notice in verse 3 that the word of God does not say that the son who is Jesus Christ condemned the sinner. But he says that Jesus Christ was manifested to condemn sin. Now you see the difference. While the law confronts people on the outside, condemning the outside, the visible man, on the basis of what the person is doing, the grace, the spirit of God, rather deals with that same nature in the person. It deals with the issue of the heart. He condemns sin. In other words, he crucifies the sin nature in us. Then he says in verse 4, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so when that same nature is finally crucified, then alone are we able to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. Now, understand clearly that I see the confusion mostly between the law of works and the law which is under the grace. These are different. We have the law of works, which I am addressing tonight, the law of um, ceremonies, of rituals, of circumcision, I mean external obligations and requirements that was under the Jewish law given to Moses. You see, but there is but the law of liberty, which is the law of love. And that is the only law that the Christian is required to obey. If anyone tells you that you are not eating a particular food, you know, you are eating a particular meat, and so you are condemned, call that person an enemy of the cross. If anyone approaches you and condemns you on the basis of the day in which you choose to fast or the day in which you choose to worship, call that an enemy of the cross of Jesus. But if anyone confronts you with a gospel, the gospel of love, the gospel that does not really look at the outward man, but a gospel that looks at that old nature and points that person to the cross, 
wherein it is crucified, and administers to the person grace, even the grace that is through Jesus Christ. As in Christ being the means to your righteousness. That is the true gospel. Because the gospel always tell people that there is but one law that is required. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the only law which we are commanded by our Lord Jesus Christ to obey. Jesus said that the new law I give to you. That you love one another even as I have loved you. That is what we call the law of liberty. Or the law which is under the grace. The only law which the Christian is commanded to obey. But the ceremonial laws and those laws of festivals and of certain days and of Sabbath. We have been brought out of it. Jesus disannulled that. Jesus nullified the law. He terminated the law of external works, of ceremonies. So you need to understand. And Paul is saying in Romans chapter 8, verse 3, 4, that in as much as Jesus has condemned the sin nature in us, in as much as he has crucified that sin nature in us, the old man, says that we, by grace, fulfill the righteous requirement of the law, which is love. Understand, which is love. The only requirement that is acceptable and pleasing to God. All other things are but shadows of things that were to come. So this is what... Um, the second point addresses the law always condemns the sinner but grace condemns not the sinner but rather the sin in the sinner they understand what i said grace does not condemn the sinner the outward person it does not confront you based on what you are doing externally but grace always begins from within. It condemns the old nature and tells you that your problem is not to stop drinking. Because, of course, if there is a tree and you see all sort of fruits on that tree, on the tree you are seeing smoking, on the, that same tree you are seeing, say, adultery, you are seeing fornication, you are seeing lying, you are seeing anger. The remedy for you to be liberated from all these will not be for you to pluck out one fruit. Because if I tell you to stop drinking, here you are, you are also lying, you are also cheating, you are also committing fornication. So the wisdom of God does not confront the external works, but rather the inward old nature of sin. That is the main tree. God approves the whole tree. It does not deal with the fruit. Understand, he approves uproots that old sinful nature. That is the old man. And that is what Paul is saying here. He condemned the sin in us. That the righteous requirement of the law, which is love, might be fulfilled in those of us who walk according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. 
And the third thing that you need to understand about the law and grace is that the law, the glory of the law has passed away, making way for that eternal, that abiding glory of Jesus Christ. And so therefore you ought to understand that whatever glory that we saw under the old dispensation, the glory of the law, has passed away, making way for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the reality. And so if anyone looks at the law, as a means to obtaining righteousness before God, or as a means to obtaining holiness before God, that person is deluded. Because if that which is passing away has made way for that which is the reality, then we do not, long, then we do not look at that which has passed away, but rather we look at the reality, which is Christ Jesus. Now let me simply say this. In the book of Exodus, when the Lord gave to Moses the tablets that, of course, um, contained the, the law, um, the Bible says that when Moses descended from Mount Sinai, the skin of his face shone and so the people could not endure his presence. And so in order that the people may be able to approach him, this is what Moses did. Moses placed a veil on his face. Whenever he spoke to the people of Israel. And when we go to, we come to the same chapter, which is the basis of what I am addressing tonight. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Look at what. Paul is saying, he's comparing the two glory, the glory of the old and the glory of the new. And uh, he tells us that the glory of the old has passed away, making way for the glory of the new covenant or the glory of grace, which is Christ Jesus. Now, this is what Paul is saying. Look at verse 12 through to verse um, 16. It says that, therefore, since we have we have such hope. We use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. I want you to underline that if you have your Bible. So that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. The end of what was passing away, which is the law. So in other words, the people could not look at the end of the law. Keep that in mind. I will come back to it. But their minds were hardened. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, that is when the law is preached, when the law is read, a veil lies on their heart, those who preach the law and those who are under the law. There is a veil that is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, 
the veil is taken away. Now I come back to what I was saying. Moses, the skin of his face began to shone so that the people could not look steadily at the end of his face. They could not see behind the veil. Understand? Now, this is what Paul is saying. The face of Moses represents the law. Now, the veil that was put on his face represents the veil that covers the law. Understand? This is the two things that Paul is addressing here. Moses stands or represents the law. And the veil that was upon Moses' face represents the covering that is upon the law. That is upon those who are, upon the heart of those who are under the law. And he says that because of this veil, the people could not see the end of the law. What is Paul trying to say? In other words, the people could not understand the reality or the purpose of the law. Paul is saying that there is a purpose for the law. The purpose of the law is not to bring us to righteousness. But there is the end of this law, which those who are under the law does not see. They cannot apprehend because a veil is upon their heart. The eyes of their understanding is blinded and so they cannot see. And what is this end of the law? It is what um, Romans chapter 10 verse 4 says. Romans chapter 10 verse 4 says that for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believe. So you see, the law is never the end for righteousness. But it says that Christ is the law, the end of the law. That is the whole purpose of the law is to bring us to Christ, who is the means for obtaining righteousness in the sight of God by faith to them that believe it. So that is something that you need to understand, beloved. Any external works of obligation telling you to do this or to do that because if you don't do it, you are condemned to hell. That is not the outwork of the preaching of the gospel. But the true gospel tells you that whatever you see under the old covenant, the Sabbaths, the drinkings and the rituals, the ceremonies, all the do's and the don'ts are all shadows of the reality. They are all pointing to one person who is the substance, who is the reality. And that person is Jesus Christ. There's the same thing that Galatians chapter 3 addresses here. Let us go to, it is a parallel to what we have just read. Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 to 24. It says that, but before faith came, but before faith came, we were kept under God by the law, kept for the faith which would afterwards be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Hallelujah. And so what Paul is saying is that, it is telling you is that in the classroom, we are students. We are kept 
under the guard, which is the law. But you see, the main purpose of the tutoring is not to lead us to righteousness. The law can never lead us to righteousness. But all that the tutor, which is the law, is teaching in the class is that there is but one person who is the means to attaining righteousness and holiness in the sight of God. And that one person is Jesus Christ. And he says that them, those who believe in him, are justified as righteous by their faith. So this is the grace which has come to us today. The grace would always point you to the substance, the reality who is Jesus Christ, the Savior. Nothing more, nothing less. You do not look to any external works. But rather, we look to Christ, our propitiator, the atoning sacrifice. We look to him who was made manifested as the Lamb of God that taketh away our sins, who has brought us out from the law and out from the curses of the law, who has condemned sin and by so doing has delivered us from the power of sin and from the penalty of sin, which is death. In a place where the law is proclaimed, you would notice one thing. The more people will become rebellious because the strength of sin is the law. Anytime we preach the law, the do's and the don'ts, that inward man in us, that old man in us, become more rebellious because that is where he receives his strength. Sin would always take advantage of what the law, the do's and the don'ts. He takes advantage of the law and hardens that old man in us. So that the more you preach the law, the more people become rebellious because the law is never the means to obtain righteousness in the sight of God. We have but one main particular scripture which is very important that you know. You see when Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56, he says that the sting of, of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. So he tells us that the sting, the pangs of death, the wages of death is sin. But he tells you that the strength of sin, in other words, sin is revived in us whenever there is the preaching of the law. That is why um, when I began speaking of the doctrines of devils and of deceiving spirits, I told you to keep that scripture in mind. 
the law when these people were forbidding people to marry or not to eat certain meat because they felt that by doing so they would attain to the righteousness of God. And Paul considered it as what deceiving spirits, doctrines of devils. Why? Because it never leads people to salvation. It rather keeps them in bondage. I would read this last scripture when, whilst I bring my message to an end. One scripture that is very important that you know. Um, in Galatians, Galatians chapter, let me, Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2 verse 3 to 6. Now notice what Paul said. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Then verse 4, he says that, But this occurred because of false brethren, certain false brethren, false preachers, false teachers, who secretly were brought in, who came in by stealth to, sp to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. Then verse 5, I love verse 5. He says that to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Paul said that they did not yield to them because what we, they were preaching was the law and not the grace. But Paul comes to verse 18 and says, For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. In other words, if I preach again the law, which Jesus Christ has delivered me from, then I make myself a sinner to build again what Christ has destroyed, what I myself believe that it has been destroyed. Then it comes to verse 19, for I through the law die to the law, that I might live to Christ. I through the law died to the law. It is one important word. Paul says that the I in Christ Jesus, that old Paul in Christ Jesus has been crucified to the law. Because when Christ Jesus was crucified on that cross, he says that he was crucified for us. So Paul sees himself in that finished work in Christ. Christ becoming his substitute. And he says that just as Jesus died on that cross, even so I, Paul, I have died with Christ on the cross. I have died to the law. Because the end of the law was on the cross. That was where the, 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 the dispensation of the law ended. And Paul says that I through the law, that is I in Christ, having been crucified with Christ, I am no longer under the law because I now live to God. I will bring my message to an end today because this message has opened up to what we are dealing with basically next week. We will center on the remedy, which is basically what Jesus did for us on the cross and why that is the only means for our deliverance, the only means for our salvation. It is very important that you understand what Jesus did for you on the cross. And we will continue from here next week. The Lord bless you for making time. Now we bow down our heads in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word which has come to build us, to enlighten us, to strengthen us, to edify us. 
I pray that you will keep us under the grace and that by your Holy Spirit, you will reveal to us the glory of the Lord Jesus. For we desire not to know anything, any other person, no other doctrine, save Jesus and his word. Begin tonight in our hearts the working of grace, that the fruit of righteousness might be made visible to all who are around us. Even the righteousness which is fulfilled in love, the love that is of God, the agape. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you so much for making time tonight. Next week, God willing, I will be here with the word of God. And to those of you who wants to reach me, even on my WhatsApp, the line is 0558 And lastly, 0558 Same time next week, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you and your household. Bye-bye.